Hi, this is Tom Brevoort, and you are listening to the Captain America Comic Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 145 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. This is Rick Verbanis. I'm your host, and I am, as always, joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That is Worcester Bob Lucius. Oh, Bob. It's time to nut up or shut up. My wife was just telling me that the other day. Yeah? Uh, I, uh, I, don't I, want, I don't want to know <laughs> what the situation was. Oh, uh, Rick, I have no idea where that's from. But it sounds uh, like something I'd like. Yeah, well, it sounds like something she'd like. <laughs> That's what she said, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, All right, how about this one? All right. You want to feel how hard I could punch? <laughs> no? I still don't know. No? All right, no. all right. Give you another one. All right. Um, hmm. All right. Where are you, you spongy, yellow, delicious bastards? <laughs> Again, I'm drawing a blank. Okay. Well, that last one was a reference to Twinkies in case anybody was thinking anything else. Uh, All right. So, Bob, what are we covering today? Well, we're covering uh, Dimension Z. Yeah. And what's the challenge I gave myself, Bob? Well, it was going to start with a Z. Yeah. Yes. What, What movie starts with a Z? Has uh, a guy who, who loves Twinkies. <laughs> I don't know, man. That would be Zombieland. Zomb- you know, I've never seen it. No? Oh, it's I, a fun isn't movie. Isn't there a sequel to? There is a double tap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a it's a good cast. I've only ever seen one scene. Which one? Uh, I And I'm not, I'm not sure if it was from Double Tap. I think it might have been from Double Tap. It's the one where the... The girl starts turning into a zombie in the front seat, and they got to pull over and shoot her. And like oh. the Emma Stone character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. All right, yeah. Emma Stone's great in the movie. Woody Harrelson, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Um, they, they, uh, they're great cast, and it's a fun. It's it's edited well, mm-hmm. so it's a little kooky. Yeah. Um, it's a fun movie. It's it. it you know now it. You know, it's radar. I'm not sure, you know, whether or not you want Bobby to see it, but um He's probably already watched it. So yeah, probably. Yeah. He could probably quote it to you. He probably could. Yeah. yeah. Uh but yeah, both movies are fun. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, awesome. there you go. To check that out. Zombie Land. Zombie Land. I like yeah, zombie we, movies. Yeah, well, you'll love this one then. Yeah. Uh all right, yeah. So we are talking about Z for Zola because Bob, it is part six of an eight part series where we are covering Castaway and Dimension Z. Now, this was the the volume seven that came out um 2013. It was 10 years ago, Bob. So we're covering issue six today, which listen, 10 years ago, you walked into a comic book shop, it was sitting on the counter. It was, yeah. I miss those days, Rick. Yeah, just walking into a comic. I shop? do. I miss. I miss living in a town where there was a local comic shop that um, <clears throat> I could uh, stop on my way home from work and just pull in and see what was going on. Mm-hmm. 
pick up a bunch of stuff that I'd hide under my back seats and then go <laughs> home and, you know, sneak it in later that night, bag and board it and, you know, thumb through some stuff. I miss those days. Ah, uh, yeah. Just I miss, I, I miss uh, owning a comic book store. That was a, that right, was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, having, having those conversations with the, with the, yeah. with the customers when they came in, I made a lot of friends. I heard. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah I miss those days as well. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are just now talking about comics. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny is, uh, you know, we've heard people say that our show reminds them of walking into a comic book store and, and hearing two friends or, you know, talking about comics, you know, just kind of getting into that middle of that conversation. So I I'm glad we could provide that for, for people out there who maybe like you don't have a comic book shop near them. Right. And I had no idea, Rick, frankly, that uh, friends of mine from high school were listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was cool. I, I hope I didn't, you know, of course, I didn't mean to, uh, uh, you know, tell stories out of school. I never thought in a million years. Um, you get, you get I, caught. Be, you know, I get caught and that he'd be listening to this. But I'm glad that he was because, uh, uh, you know, as I mentioned in uh, in the Facebook group, he was a really a great friend of mine who who got me into comics in the first place. And, and James, James Bond. Bond. And James Bond. And we spent a lot of time uh, going back and forth to the comic shop that was local and going to watch James Bond movies that were being shown at a local theater in one of those small mm -hmm. boutique theaters. We spent a lot of time. In fact, we made a lot of uh, James Bond movies, uh, the eight millimeter movies. And, and <laughs> That's uh, so much fun. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah. Uh, it's neat to i haven't talked to him in years um but it's cool that we're still connected in that way mm -hmm. now and, and you know the power of um of, of social media and mm -hmm. podcasts stuff like that yeah it brings people together so uh, i i'm sure i've asked you this before who was your james your favorite james bond oh uh well you know i think it would have had to have been um you know, I really like Daniel Craig now. I mean, I think yeah, he's done yeah. a, a fabulous job. But, you mm -hmm. know, I grew up on uh, watching the movies, um, you know, in, in, in reruns at the theater. And I got to tell you, I always had a soft spot in my heart for George Lazenby. Oh, you know, he, he did the one movie. He did the one. Right? And, yep. and some say this was back when we had four James Bonds, you know, um, that a lot of people said that he was their favorite. Yeah, there was just something about him that I really liked. I always thought, you know, Roger Moore was a bit too campy for me. Uh, Sean Connery always just seemed a bit, I, I mean, I love Sean Connery. I think he thought he did a great job. Mm -hmm. This is a great James Bond. But he was just a bit too, <sighs> not full of himself. Although his version mm -hmm. of Bond was very self-confident in that way, almost mm -hmm. to the point of sort of being obnoxious. But George Lazenby, I think, you know, just was straight down the road. You could see him like being a professional spy, you know, mm -hmm. a James Bond spy, of course. But, but, and, and of course, the whole, you know, the whole getting married and yeah, you know, her death at the end. Hope I didn't spoil it for anybody. And we well, didn't say the movie yet. No, we didn't. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> but it's yeah. the one with George Lazenby. <laughs> <laughs> Great soundtrack. Louis Armstrong. Uh -huh. We have all the time in the world. Yeah. It still gets me whenever I hear that song. No, oh, yeah. So. I um, yeah, I grew up on Roger Moore, so mm -hmm. I 
I liked the campy. Mm-hmm. You're um, an octopusy fan. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. View to a kill. Yeah. Live and let die. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Uh, what man is the, the um? Gun. Huh? Man with the golden gun. Yeah. 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 Um. Scaramanga. Mm-hmm. What was the uh forever? Diamonds are forever. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, was, but no, there was a song. Uh, anyway, what was the one where he, um, maybe it was View to a Kill. Was that the one where he got tied with the woman and got dragged underneath the water? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, he got Roger Moore and Pierce Bronson mm-hmm. both got screwed. Um, because Roger Moore was actually slated to be James Bond because, but then he was the saint, this black and white thing. Yeah. Great show. And so they went with Sean Connery instead. And so when Sean Connery decided to, you know, hang it up, they went back to Roger Moore, which was original idea. Hmm. And um by that point he was older yeah and so he played an an older james bond like you know like almost like getting closer to a, like a retirement you know right. some of those later movies like a view yeah, of kill oh, yeah. or something you know yeah um and then the same thing happened to pierce bronson so when roger moore retired pierce bronson was uh everybody was like oh he's the next james bond and uh, he was, you know, just he was doing Remington Steel yeah. at the time. Right. And because he was so popular from like the speculation, Remington Steel renewed the show for one more year. Mm-hmm. And he was under contract and he couldn't get out of it. So they gave it to Timothy Dalton. Yeah. yeah. And then Timothy Dalton did what? Two, three movies? Uh, yeah, and then two or three. Yeah. Yeah. And then Pierce Bronson, you know. Got mm-hmm. got it after Timothy Dalton was yeah. was done, yeah. so it just it's it same thing happened, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. Who do you want the next James Bond to be? I don't know. I read the other day they 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 interviewed Henry Cavill, so I, I don't know how that's going to work. But I, hmm. you know, I don't know. I mean, I'd heard in the past Idris Elba. Yeah, I don't like that. You don't like that? I love Idris. I watch anything that Idris is in. I love him as an actor. He's just amazing. I do. But Um, have him play, I don't know, 006 or 008. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? You know, listen, I know. Kevin Hart? Yeah. (laughs) I'm one of those purists. Like, I, I, I want my comic character i want my movie characters to to represent what i know is the character so if somebody is is white they're white if they're black they're black if they're female they're female they're male you know like i i get i understand you know casting choices and things like that but i don't know i me personally i like sticking to more to like don't change it up like, yeah, well, they'd have a hard time. Uh, yeah, obviously, um, I don't. And it couldn't be 007, right? I mean, I mean, he could again? be he could be 007. 
It would just be a different 007. He, well, then he wouldn't, he wouldn't be, James, be James Bond. He wouldn't be James Bond, right? Because James right. Bond, they covered his whole upbringing and his relationship to Blofeld. Exactly. I mean, that whole thing. So, so, yeah. I mean, they could do a younger James Bond, perhaps. Uh, oh, that yeah. might be interesting. Yeah. Or the early years, you know? Well, but, but then again, Daniel Craig, his first movie was early years. That's when he got his 007 yeah. designation. Yeah, but maybe early, early years. They can always go earlier, right? Mm, all right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they don't have to hem too closely, I I think, to, you know, the path that's laid down. But I do agree with you that I think, you know, I mean, it's hard to ignore the whole upbringing and, you know, that they covered Inspector. And, and, you know, anyway. Right. But yeah, see, I'm like, interested. to me, to me, like, Miles Morales, right? Yeah. I have no problem with Miles Morales because... Yeah. You know, he's uh, he's black. He's you know, I think he's Hispanic. Right. Yeah. Um, but he's a completely different character. He's not Peter Parker. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. I yeah. just I'll like, you know, no, I get that. I get that. I mean, there's a whole mythology built, which includes their background. And exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I got no problem with the multiverse. I got no problem with, uh, you know, derivative characters like Miles Morales or, right. you know. Yeah, Gwenpool I have no or, problem with derivative characters. You know, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, uh, I, I representation American, is... I want to is... see American Dream, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know so, you do. Yeah. <laughs> who do you want you, you want to cast for that? Oh, goodness. I I, I don't know. You know, I think it'd be fun. I, I don't think they could his it. face just lit up. Like I don't think believe. they could pull it off, but I think it would be super awesome if... Uh, who, who's, the, who's the lady that plays Sharon Carter in the, in the movies? Oh, uh, I don't remember the actress's yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. Get her in the gym. She'd be fine. Why would they do that, though? She's already playing another character in the Marvel Universe. Why would she it's play a, a separate one? It's a multiverse, man. Okay. All it's right. multiverse, right? I see. So, yeah. I mean, she is a Carter. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. are we got a birthday this week, Bob. Uh, celebrating a birthday, July 13th would have been the 82nd birthday for Tom Palmer. Wow. Yeah. Tom Palmer, uh, was a legendary inker, uh, mostly for Marvel comics. Um, I mean, this guy, he... He had done over 800 different stories, uh, over 17,000 different pages. Yeah, he started in like in the 60s uh, and he did work. Um, wow. Like all the way up to, you know, close to his death. Legendary inker uh, Tom Palmer would have been 82. Wow. Yeah. On uh, July 13th. That's an amazing body of work. And uh, it's a continue, you know, loving the work enough that uh, you work up close to the end of your life. That's impressive, man. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as Captain America, I think he only did one issue. Uh, he did the volume three, number 50, mm. which was the last issue of that. That's when they had like a whole bunch of different creators come in and, uh, you know, do some um do some work on that that particular um special issue yeah huh 
And if anybody's interested in hearing about Captain America 50, and if anybody wants to check out that episode, uh, we did Captain America Volume 3, number 50, in episode 50. So uh, you could check that out. So Uh, long ago. It was, Bob. That was like 100 episodes ago. It's hard to believe we got, we're coming up on episode 150 soon. It is, but I, I know some listeners that'll be really happy that we're continuing to add episodes. <laughs> so. Wait, at some point, Bob, do you think we should start over and uh, do a, a, a new number one? The volume, do a volume two? No, season two. Season, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. People seem to get really, there's two types of folks, Rick, in uh-huh. our Facebook group. Ones that are really excited about a, a new volume launching and another one would go, oh, man, it's... Restarting at number one. Yeah. Right. I know. Well, we could <laughs> so, we could do season two number one and then just do legacy numbering. That's true. Right? Yeah. yeah. For, the best of both worlds. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think we could get a spike in listens at all, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. Oh. Uh, uh, no, uh, but speaking of listeners, uh, Bob, we have to announce the winner remember we uh we had a contest for the 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 taco bell uh giveaway the taco Mm -hmm. bell captain america number one supreme uh collectors collectors edition yes yes i was about to say supreme nacho but (laughs) (laughs) um uh yeah we we were giving that away yeah and uh we said you know the the next three people that that uh give us a five-star review um we will uh, we'll pick one of you and uh we got to do that we we have to totally do that bob you ready yeah yeah roll that All right. canister all right this uh the winner is i, I feel like i feel like i want to do like chevy chase and, and christmas vacation uh drum roll oh uh no you're supposed to go <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think my tongue does that, Rick. Sadly, uh, sadly oh, yeah. uh, that's what she said. All right. Um. So the winner of the Taco Bell number one exclusive Supreme giveaway is Mister Brent Beisel. Basil. Basil. Ah, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> oh, yay! All right. right. Congratulations, Brent. And we appreciate your, uh, your review on, uh, on Apple podcasts and, uh, giving us a five-star review. And it, uh, just so you know, the title to it was the greatest cap centric podcast ever question mark. We hope now that you you're the winner, you'll change that to an exclamation point. Oh, indeed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Brent, uh, it just sent, send me an email to cap comic fans at gmail.com capcomicfans at gmail.com or hit me up on facebook send me a message and uh we'll get your uh, details and we'll get this out in the mail to you and by the way there's a few other things i have to get out in the mail to people thank you everybody for being patient uh i have had uh been burning the candle at both ends here for a little while now uh and then i just took the family on a vacation uh, for 10 days. We... Research, uh, research. Uh, junk, junk <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, just got back uh, late last night. 
and I spent all day today editing podcasts. So um, I promise uh, I will be getting stuff. If I owe you something in the mail, it, it'll be going out soon. I promise. Rick, I didn't ask you, but did you have a chance to uh, see any comics while you were? Oh, traveling? I did. Um, so I'm there. You know, my sister lives in Spain. And so she um, she on one of our many walking junkets. Um, our, uh, what, what does she call them? I can't remember the name of the, the, the term for a journey. Um, but anyway, uh, we, we would, you know, walking around Madrid and, mm-hmm. uh, we walked to a comic book store that was no longer there. Oh, um, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of those things I probably would have checked before going cause it was uh, a long walk. But, you know, <laughs> uh, it was a thought that counts. Right. Yeah. Right. And then um, then there was supposed to be a second comic shop we were going to walk to, but somehow it didn't work out. Um, but I did walk. They did have some like like pop culture stores uh-huh. and, uh, you know, selling Funko Pops and things like that. Yeah. And uh, I did walk into one store and they had a life size uh, statue of. Chris Evans is Captain America. Really? Yeah. In a glass case. Wow. And so I have a picture of me standing with it. Yeah. Um, that I was going to post in the, in the Facebook oh, good. group. So yeah, by the time people are listening that. to this, they probably already seen it, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll post that in there. And then right. for, uh, we was, I was there for father's day. And so at the end of the trip, um, my kids presented to me a Captain America Funko pop. Um, it was, uh, the black light one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. So yep. anyway, yep. awesome. Um, yeah, so it was fun. Nice. Put it right next to your lava lamp. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Uh, Bob, do you think maybe we have a another five star review? I need to get to. Oh gosh, I really, really hope so. Rick. We do, Bob. Yes. Ah, I'm gonna read this one. Ooh. This one is through Without somebody. Spectacles, folks. <laughs> this one's called Rockvale. R-O-C-H-V-A-I-L. This is uh, from Rockvale. And they wrote uh, a five-star review. The topic is fun podcast, exclamation point. All right. They wrote, I've been listening to this podcast since the beginning. I had my own podcast for eight years about heavy metal. So I know how much prep goes into doing interviews and putting together the content. I appreciate Rick's thoroughness, and I crack up at Robert's lack thereof. <laughs> well, thank, thank, thank you. It makes for a fun dynamic. Bob's insight on the military, thank you for your service, sir, gives me a different perspective about Cap, makes me think differently about some of his character traits. I enjoy the interviews very much. I also enjoyed the special top 10 and themed episodes, The only aspect of the show that gets a little tedious to listen sometimes is the panel-by-panel readings of the issues. But it doesn't bother me enough to knock down a star. Great job, guys. All right. And I like that exclamation point after fun podcasts. Notice he didn't use a question mark. (laughs) That's right. Well, thank you, Rockvale. We we appreciate that. Uh, Going on to Apple 
and uh, and giving us a five star review. We appreciate that. That that certainly helps us get a little bit more noticed out there. I, I guess that's how the algorithms work or whatever. So thank you. We really really do appreciate the review. And just for that, we're going to get into the comic reading it panel by panel. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get to the comic, Bob? He's not joking, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's jump uh, on in for crying but, out loud. But, but, but we will, uh, at the end of this episode, uh, we will announce um, our next episode, which is a top 10 list. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. We'll talk yep. about that. All right, Bob. So let's get to the cover. Uh, this is Captain America, volume seven, number six. As I mentioned before, it had a cover date of June 2013, so 10 years ago. Uh, Bob, do you want to describe the cover to our listeners? I'll take a crack at it, Rick. So, uh, you know, right smack dab in the middle of this cover, we've got Captain America. And he, you know, I, I love this pose that he's got him because he's bent over, hunched over, right? He is running toward you. Mm -hmm. He's got his shield in his right hand. He's got his left hand clenched. It's not quite in a fist, but like you could tell he's getting ready to form a fist with that left hand. Mm -hmm. And he's running because his legs are crossed over each other. So, you know, he's in the middle of a stride and mm -hmm. it's raining, right? There's water on the ground. You could see the, the water splashing as, as, as at his footfall and it's pouring all the way around him. So rain is just falling off him and all around him. And, and, and his uniform is not as torn as we have seen it in previous episodes, but it does mm -hmm. have some damage, right? There's some damage around his knees uh, and uh, it's not torn in the chest as we expect, uh, you know, expected to see, but, but he looks really upset, uh, really angry, I should say, as he's steamrolling toward the, the reader. Very nice. And, and, you know, John Romero Jr., he, he loves to do characters in the rain. Uh, I don't know if uh, he just finds it, I don't know. I mean, I is it easier just to do that than draw a background? Um, yeah, interesting. Like, but he he does it a lot. It can't be Rick. I mean, because you know, if you look at the if you if you look at the the style, you know, if the stylized background in this rain, you can. It's almost it's almost three uh, D, right? I mean, you can see the raindrops in the foreground falling off cap, but the further back you go, the, the blurry of those raindrops get. It's a, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot of detail and uh, technique uh, in this cover, despite the lack of, uh, of, of a background. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and, and, and usually John Romero Jr.'s uh, rainy drawings um, aren't like this. This one is a little different. I, I wonder if it was by the, you know, the colorist Dean White mm -hmm. had something to do with it um, because he's credited uh, and, and the inker Klaus Johnson is is also credited to the cover. So um, I'm wondering if that has anything to do with it. Um, Rick Remender is the writer. And uh, so he is writing this this complete volume. Um, and then <clears throat> in addition to uh, the inkers, Tom Palmer. Uh, which we mentioned for his birthday, um, and Scott Hanna are credited to this issue. Klaus Jansen is now also credited to this issue. So there's three inkers on here. So I'm wondering if maybe there was a crunch time or something like that. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, Dean White's the colorist, Joe Karamanga, the letterer, and then Tom Brevoort is the editor. Shall I read the solicitation, Bob? Oh, I wish you would. 
The odd war of Dimension Z continues. Steve Rogers is dead. Long live Captain Zola. A traitor strikes. Arnim Zola gets everything he wants. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, Cap's dead, right? At least that's what Zola thinks, because at the end of last issue, uh, he fires onto Steve Rogers, forcing him to fall off of a cliff and go into a ravine. Um, surely that must have killed him. Uh, Zola's just like, oh, I'm done. Let's go back and have some tea. You know, like like he just, no. IOT. Exactly. He doesn't yeah. send anybody after to go find the body. Yeah. or It doesn't make any sense to me. Why, right. why not? You know? Yeah. Or maybe yeah. he did and he was just hard to find because Cap woke up. And then if you remember, he climbed up the cliff and he got a spear and he chucked it into his chest. Well, maybe not Chuck, but pried it into his chest to yeah. pull out the implant of the the Zola virus that was yeah. in his body. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That that was pretty wild. And then that last page, remember, it was all one gigantic splash page. Oh, and by the way, it was uh, Steve Rogers uh, in the rain. And anyway, he's hunched over and he says, I'm coming for my son. Great cliffhanger. It was. All right. So let's get to this one. Um, you want to read the uh, the little recap where it says previously? Sure. I'd love to, Rick. Twelve years ago, evil scientist Arnim Zola trapped Captain America in Dimension Z to run genetic experiments on him. Steve escaped Zola's fortress, absconding with an infant he named Ian. He raised Ian among the Frocks Dimension Z natives who oppose Zola's reign. After a bloody battle between the Frocks and Zola's mutates, led by his deadly daughter, Jet Black, Zola took Ian and blasted Steve off a cliff. Steve survived and swore an oath of retribution. He's coming for his son. Dun, dun, dun. All right, so we get to the next page and... The opening page uh, has had multiple panels. Uh, looks like, you know, like seven panels on this page. And it is Jet Black, his daughter, who, you know, let's just say she's probably around 20, something like that. Um, Bob, how would you describe uh, how she looks again? Well, I'm glad that she pointed out that she was about 20, Rick. So for legal purposes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she's very tall. She's very lean and muscular. Um, uh -huh. She has long jet black hair. Uh, and she wears a, a very interesting, um, very interesting attire, right? It's, uh, mm. yeah. It's, you do it, say. It, yeah, it looks like it's essentially very tight, very black, but they're they're essentially um straps that go around mm. her thighs and her calves and her midsection her upper arms around her her upper chest and if you recall you know she has this ability to uh heighten her senses and this is mm -hmm. these 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 from bands, the skin yeah from her skin and so these allow her to control those uh that sense of that level of sensitivity uh so she's not constantly overpowered by external you know um stuff 
the word I'm looking for? Technical turd. <laughs> stuff. I don't want to be too sciencey, you know. Uh, uh, science-y. Yeah, stimuli. Stimuli. That's it. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Are you are you feeling a little stimuli there, Bob? I am actually. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Uh, and then she, you, you totally left out the headgear. Yeah, the headgear, which I on previous occasions I've mentioned has a certain kind of a, almost a, a little bit of a Loki feel, right? It's a golden a golden band around her uh, her forehead with some gold bands that come down on either side of her face. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting head piece of headgear. They don't, I, to, to my recollection, they, they don't explain what it is or what it's for. Maybe it's some sort of crown. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, she has a princess. Yeah. She's a princess. So maybe it's her princess crown. Could be. So the first panel is uh, we see the outside of uh a very tall building um, looks like if you were in, in the middle of a city uh, and this might be the Citadel. And then there's a glowing Z in front of it uh, for Zola. And then we hear Jet Black's voice and she is kneeling uh, at some sort of, it looks like a, in a church of some sort and she's praying. Father, forgive me, for my sins are many. Your will for me is at odds with polluted urges stirring. I fear I may stray from the ideals you've taught me, that my standing is at risk. My purity and abstinence, I feel it being tested. Perhaps that is why you sequestered me here, allowing me to learn and grow free from such temptation. I've never seen a creature like him, Never felt the unrest his form stirred within me. More than just his physical beauty, there was a powerful allure to his temperance and mercy. And so we see her thoughts, and she's going back to the battle where she was fighting Captain America, and he was swinging his shield around. Evil notions I have been taught to loathe, yet I don't he, he didn't kill me on the battlefield. Compassionate, yet powerful. Or was there something else? What madness inspires a man to hold power and not use it? Please forgive me, Father. He stands against everything you've taught me. Yet I am drawn to Captain America. Reveal to me what is it is to learn from this trial and guide me from this evil and into salvation. Amen. And Bob, it's quite the quite that the is, page there. That is an awesome page. Describe it. it. Yeah, it you know it's uh, it's like you're in the back of a church, Rick, right? And you mm-hmm. see the form of Jet Black kneeling at her prayer do, right? The little uh, prayer bench mm-hmm. uh, as she's facing forward, and then in uh, in the beyond her, you see this enormous what appears to be a stained glass window reaching from the floor all the way to the ceiling. And it must be, you know, relative to her 50 feet tall of Arnim Zola, a stained glass mirror, a window of Arnim Zola and all these wonderful colors. And the, and the detail is amazing on this. Um, you can see the, the individual fragments of glass rendered in, in this, uh, in this image. It's really quite, quite stunning. It is absolutely is. Um, and you know, it's funny is like, uh, on well, my vacation, we were doing some sightseeing, we went to this old cathedral that was probably like 
500 years old or something like that. And, um, you know, seeing, seeing all the stained glass in there and then and then coming to this comic and looking at this and seeing right. big Zola. <laughs> it's just I it's know. a little weird. It is weird. Yeah. Um, all right. Next page. Um, We get to uh, two guards that are outside in front of a building. And these are the mutates, right? And uh, they are... Do you want to describe the, these creatures to our listeners? Yeah, I mean, they're kind of hard to describe. They're, they're, they're sort of... Why uh, do you think I gave it to you, Bob? Yeah, I think they look a lot, you know, they look a lot like the alien from the Aliens movie, right? Uh, except they're very chunky and blocky looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, their 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 arms, their bodies, their legs, they're all sort of armored plates and scales, Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got very strange shaped heads that look a lot like the xenomorph, uh, from aliens, except they've got protrusions and again, blocky and armored sticking out all over them. They're not the most attractive of beings, obviously. No. Unless you're, I guess, one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they talk funny. They do. Yeah. Meet some and me suck on marrow, drink the blood. Huh? Good war. Yes, yes. Them's frocks and the sweet meat. War power. War fun. Drink so much from the body. Slurp and suck the good blood from... What, M? And they look up, and there's a uh, some sort of ship that is firing through the sky that is coming right at them. Sad frocks? Come for murder? No. Us rocket lost mutate. No mutate. And it was, it was, uh, just, it was just one of those riders that like cap rode before, but it's empty and it's just set on a crash course and hits the door and it has a huge explosion. Bob. Does it make a noise? Uh, no. Boom. That, that'll work. Yeah. That'll work. Improv. Yeah. Yeah. Acting. Uh so there's a whole bunch of smoke and and uh and all of the the mutates are are running towards battle. And then the leader is like Attack! Bring for us death, bring us all the hate, kills them up any. And then coming from the sky is Captain America's shield, but it's 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 pointing up and down, right? So it's a it's a vertical rather than horizontal. And it's coming right for the head of the leader. And he says, oh, no. <laughs> and it goes right <laughs> into his head. What sound does that make, Bob? Shlunk. And it just sticks. and It cuts his head in two. It just sticks into it. Now, that's not something we see too often from Captain America. We don't. And it's all like green goop coming out of it so yeah lead our fall kill them evils and they start firing in that general direction unseen intruder come reveal evil for murder and they're firing zola's grown himself a legion of idiots small men surrounded themselves with small minds but it doesn't matter smart dumb nothing can stop me and so we see cap running by and he pulls the shield from the green gloop 
and it makes a sound, Bob. <laughs> and uh, and so Cap does have the the battle weary uniform, right? I mean, it's a twelve year old uniform. It's been seen better days. He has his mask off. He has a beard, and he's determined. In this next panel, he has this look of anger. I don't think I've ever seen on him before. Uh, and his face is red and, and wrinkled and bloodied. And he's running. And he says, I'm coming for you, Arnhem. Coming to put an end to you once and for all. And then we cut to inside and we get to Jet Black, who is kneeling in front of Ian, who, uh, again, he's 12. And uh, he's got uh, a little uniform on and a cape and some long boots and gloves and she's talking to him there you look very handsome in your armor brother are you ready father will have much wisdom to impart on you today he's not my father he killed my father and if he's so wise why did he needlessly murder those innocent frocks families and what the hell's wrong with you that you can't see this is wrong had our father raised you you would have learned very simple truths life is struggle to beat life you have to best all life you can be food or you can be fed my father raised me to live by simple truths as well always protect the weak always stand up never give up hope and never compromise the good inside you for anything but you clearly failed that one a long time ago i'll never forgive you for what you did to them the frocks were good and kind and she turns away, and as she's walking away, she says, and look what that got them. And we cut back to Cap, and he is running towards Zola. And we, we have his inner monologue thoughts. A decade of my life stranded here. A decade you stole from me. Robbed me of my life with Sharon. Robbed me of my friends. Taken away from my responsibilities. A decade spent living in a cave on this godforsaken planet. A decade, Arnold. You've taken that piece of my life, time I'll never get back. And you can have it, but you can't have him. You can't have his future. He's not yours. He might have your genes, but he's my son. He's good at heart, and he's strong. You'll never corrupt him. He'll never serve in whatever twisted scheme you've got cooked up on this time. Whatever the hell you're doing there. I'm bringing him to Earth. To the normal life he deserves. I'm coming to get him, Arnhem. And then, I'm coming for you. Coming to bury your artificial life in a giant damn hole where it can rot for eternity. Your wilted black heart won't spread its decay to one more living thing. You're done playing God. And this whole time he's running, he's kind of, uh, you know, battling some of the, the mutates, um, making short work of them. But then, then Bob, he, he appears to come across something. What is it? Well, he comes across what looks to be a garbage chute of some sort, like where the garbage dumps, you know, mm -hmm. from inside that, that tower that you, uh, you mentioned earlier, the Zola, Zola Tower. Mm -hmm. uh, things that are discarded go down the garbage chute and end up in the garbage dump. And, and this is what he's just stumbled across. 
Holy hell. A mutate body dump. And what do we see here, Bob? Well, I mean, there's lots of of mutate bodies, obviously ones that uh, didn't didn't hit quality assurance, right? They're deformed in some ways. They've got multiple arms. They're twisted. Their heads are misshapen and malformed. Uh, they're the discarded ones that didn't quite work out in the lab. And they're they're moaning. They're in pain. Uh, they're asking for help. They're asking to be killed more than just mutates in between the gore and the contorted bodies faces my face ignore it. only way i've found into the main tower ignore the snapping bones ignore the moans of the dying i'm coming arnhem coming to finish this now bob that's interesting mm-hmm. right yeah he's climbing up over these dump of mutate bodies which are still alive and in pain and he's saying ignore the snapping bones ignoring the the moans the dying yeah that's not a steve i'm used to seeing i know that's an uncomfortable position right that he's (laughs) he's put the not as as uncomfortable as those mutates well that's true right and many of them which are clones of him they're mutates Based on his DNA. So, and we can see in some of the faces and some of the hair that these are, these are Steve clones that went uh, awry. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're not, you know, some, you know, some alien species or something, although there's probably some alien DNA in here, but that those are human clones, uh, uh, at least parts of them in in there. So it's, uh, it's a strange position he's taken here. So we cut to to Zola, and now we haven't described Zola yet in this particular episode, Bob. Do you want to do you want to take that so just in case people aren't caught up yet? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, we only see in in this particular panel, we only see really the top half of him. Um, but you know, those who are familiar with Zola know that he uh, is headless. Right. And mm-hmm. so where his head would be, there is essentially a camera of some sort, a, a sensor device. Uh, and then and his his face is projected uh, through a, a display screen on his chest. Uh, and so for the rest of his body, of course, he, he has uh, armored legs and uh, and uh, arms, uh, some of it biological, some of it uh, cyborg. Well, I guess that is the definition of a cyborg. Uh, and he's very regal in his uh, his appearance here. He's got a very long cloak, a red mm-hmm. cloak, you know. So he's he's going for a very aristocratic uh, appearance here. Aristocratic. Yeah. You don't say. Hello, my dear. Please calm down. He's walking into a laboratory, and there is a. Um, a frock, I guess one of the female mm-hmm. frocks that's in a in a large tube, and she's kind of like pounding at the glass. Don't leave this world in such a state. Your panic won't change anything, you see. We're going to paint a beautiful picture together. I'm going to create something worthwhile out of you. You spent time with our dear Steve Rogers. Quite a specimen, is he not? How would you like to be him? And then he pushes a few buttons on a panel and 
yellow light comes over her and she starts to cry out in pain as her body contorts. There's much to be grateful for. Most of your frocks, brethren, are sacrificed to merely create mutates. A low fate, I admit. Transforming organic material is so much faster than growing it fresh, you see. A perfect biological clay. Your people have served me well in this capacity. And her body is is contorting and, and melting and becoming kind of like a, a dough-type substance, right? You will serve me in an even greater one. You will become the perfect spy to infiltrate Earth, a necessary measure before I can begin the expansion. You will become Captain America. We must concentrate, building with great care. Hence, far some component, almost living within the super soldier serum, has made it nearly impossible to create a perfect code. But I have deciphered the code, for I am Zola. Come now, almost there. Bend to my will. Hold your form. Yes. Yes. Finally, after all this time. Master Zola, an emergency and trouble. Lech. I am never to be disturbed during gates and breached. Captain America in Zolandia. You are certain? Captain America is alive? And then the clone of Steve Rogers behind Zola bends over, bleed, bleeding out of the eyes and nose and mouth and just falls over and dissolves. And it looks like a painful death, Bob. Yeah, it looks it looks very very painful. Uh, all I wanted was a family, to be loved, to give my children all of reality in return. On the bright side, we have narrowed the spectrum of possibilities. And he basically flushes her remains out of the tube. And in the end, were it not for failure, there would be no success. So we cut back to Steve, who is climbing up the, the, the disposed mutates to get higher. The daily cost of survival here, the constant danger, left me numb. But this horror, piles of casually discarded bodies, draws up dark memories of old wars on a short clock, concussed. The deep wound, losing blood. And he's still in there, regrouping. And he clutches his chest. The next panel, he looks up and he sees the opening of the cave. My God, the cave. The cave that brought me here a million years ago. Earth. A distant memory now. Been here longer than the 21st century awaiting me. This place has become my normal. This is the life I lead now. The world I know. I could go get help, find the Avengers, whatever's left of them. No, won't risk it. I won't leave Ian like Dad left me. Alone and in peril, surrounded by threats. And he goes up the chute that disposed of that mutate. Zola then speaks to his mutate army. 
gather the city, guard the tower. More importantly, find Captain America and kill him. Hunt, tear his heart from his body. And then we see Jet and Ian. Father, I've brought Ian for his teachings. Ian, is it? You still refuse the name I would give you? You would do well to honor me. I am the god of this land, and soon the god of all others. I will shape life to my suiting. I will dictate the form of things to come. I'll die before I take your name, or I'll kill you, whichever seems easiest at the time. Forgive him. He's ignorant, father. That is all. He will see. He will learn. I pray you are correct, beautiful Jet. And he caresses her cheek. But I can now see it is my temperament that is widening this gap between us. Beyond my bluster and noise, I am merely a father who desperately needs his son, desperately needs him to see that this is his home, this is where he belongs. If you wish to remain Ian, I will accept this, as long as you accept that I love you and only want to make things right. You don't love anything. I loved your mother very much. You were a product of that love. When she passed, my boy, you, you can't imagine the pain. But there was hope. There was you. There was your sister. Your mother wanted to name you Leopold after her father. But this man stole you from me, stole away the last piece of my dear Mary. If you're so loving, why did you kill my family? When an advanced civilization enters a new land, the primates must give way to progress. It is evolution. Like all small creatures, they are fodder to the will of the greater minds. Fodder? The frogs kept us alive. They brought me into their home and it cared for me. A necessity if I am to offer you and your sister the life you deserve. I want only what all parents want for their offspring. To give you the world. I knew there would be no easy way through this. To show you the daylight, you'll need more than the nudging of words. And he's putting him into this chair, which has these goggles that go around his eyes, keeping them wide open. And he's trapped in the chair. Fortunately, there's a quicker method still. You see, within close proximity, I am master of all I create including you, Leopold. You just need a bit of deprogramming. You are not the first child this brutal thug has abducted and brainwashed. The first boy, Bucky, Steve trained him to fight, to kill, as he did you, Ian. What type of man endangers children in his crusade? There, I could tell already you're beginning to see the truth. When next we meet... You will love me as your sister does. All right, Bob. So I figured this next page, um, I'm going to let you describe it. Oh, well, that is uh, that is a boom. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. You're welcome. Never, hey, listen, don't ever say I didn't give me anything. <laughs> so uh, there's uh, what one, two, three, four, five, six panels on this page, Rick. 
And I like the way it's arranged, right? Because on the uh, left-hand side of the page, there is a long panel that stretches from the top all the way to the bottom. Uh -huh. And in this panel, we see what appears to be a shower of some sort. Uh, and as you said, uh, uh, Rick likes to, uh, uh, John Romita likes to, to, to draw uh, people in the rain. Well, in this case, yeah. it's, it's uh, drawing somebody in the shower. And in this case, it's jet black we see from from behind now you know the the good uh, bits and pieces are obscured by by steam and such and shadows but the good, uh, the good bits and pieces the good bits and pieces right uh and she is standing in the shower with uh with her arms rested against the side and she's facing the stream of water and she's thinking to herself and then in the remaining panels we see some close-ups of her face we see her reaching for a towel and then in the final two panels wrapping that towel around her and, and around her hair. So it's a, it's a very eye-catching uh, series of panels, I think, Rick, that really highlights some of her, her capabilities. <laughs> Highlight her capabilities. Well, I meant just that she's very muscular and, you know, capable. Uh-huh. Yes. Understood. Um, Do you ever see the movie, paradise with phoebe cates <laughs> rick <laughs> are you kidding me yes i i know exactly what you're referring to and yes there is a i scene. did pause that scene frequently yeah hell yeah that's uh, what vhs was for big time yeah oh my god so yeah uh the movie paradise uh starred phoebe cates and willie ames and they were two castaways in the, um, the Middle East. And, um, you know, she was, I don't know, uh, I don't wouldn't say a princess, but wealthy or something. And right. He, yeah. You know, he wasn't. And um, they two of them relied on each other to 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 survive. And and they grew up over the course of a few years. They you know went from being teenagers, you know, mid teenagers to late teenagers and whatever. And uh, there is a scene um, where Phoebe Cates' character is in a cave that yeah, has yeah. water coming down. Right. And yeah. she's using it as a shower. Yeah. Uh, this totally reminded yeah. me of that. Would it you does. not? I, I It absolutely does. Yeah. 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 A little throwback uh, there. I got to tell you, I had the biggest crush on Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, too. So, oh well yeah there was that yeah yeah, yeah. but um yeah. but that took it up to a whole new level to... oh you know i think it was yeah. like 15 years ago uh, i i found out that she you know because she married um kevin klein did she really yeah oh, Kevin right. Klein's like kevin yeah. klein's much older than her too yeah and um yeah he so the two of them have been married i don't know if they still are but they married a long time ago and she kind of got away from acting uh-huh and she ended up opening up a a retail store that sold like a whole bunch of different eclectic things like clothing and stuff like that but it also sold comic books really and yeah 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 look it up huh. and i'm like oh my god not only is she <laughs> amazing <laughs> but she's also a comic geek are you kidding me what might have been <laughs> Oh my gosh. So we uh we see Jet uh 
as she's taking a shower and as she's doing, you know, drying herself off and all that, she's talking out loud. Why, oh, why didn't you kill me, Steve Rogers? Mercy? Fine. Perhaps. But something else. Something calculated. Behind every choice, if you dig deep enough, there's always some selfish impetus. Every choice, Captain, especially the act of mercy. And then we cut to Steve Rogers there, and he's got a shield in one hand and, and a pistol in the other aiming it at her. Don't worry. You won't see it a second time. And so he has her at a disadvantage. She's just wearing a towel. Please, save the bluff. I read you on the air five minutes ago when you entered. But one doesn't need omnisenses to have detected your stench or the fact you do not possess the courage to pull that trigger. Where's my son? Your son? How far out of your mind you must be, mentally crippled from too many years in the Redlands. Kidnapping a child does not make you his father. Shut up! And he grabs her by the throat. You, just another victim of your father's mind control. If you have any love for your brother... You will help me get him out before Zola does the same to him. And at first she looks shocked when he grabs her throat. But then she has this look on her face like she's in control. She's enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, it's too late for that. Take me to my son or I will kill you. During the battle, you spared my life. Put Ian in my care even though it meant I'd likely kill you. You did it so he'd be safe with family. That's not what a murderer does. Last time I ask, where is Ian? Where? Lost to you forever. Then Zola loses you. And then the weapon that he had in her face, it looks like it fires mm -hmm. based on the noise and coloring and then we cut to the final page and we see Ian sitting in front of the, the TV monitor watching what Zola had put up there but the goggles narrow off his face and Ian is talking he has done this many times before he is a vampire living forever, corrupting one after another. And it's interesting, Bob, this one is no longer Bucky. This one, he has Nomad. Right, Jack. Yeah, Jack Monroe. Kidnapper, murderer, fascist. Father Zola's divine blood runs in my veins. I am fortunate. Father Zola is my true family, my true God. To be continued well well we keep getting cliffhangers every one of these issues is a cliffhanger bob they sure are uh and i like it i like it it does leave you wanting more you know it really does i had said that earlier in a um in our facebook page it was somebody had posted um the last page 
to um I can't remember what issue number it was, like 270-something. And it was where Baron Zemo and Arnim Zola are there and all the mutates and Cap, you know, is yelling at them. And it was like, it was like cliffhangers like that where you're just like, you just can't wait for the 30 days to get here. You know? Right, yeah. You remember those days, Bob, when when you would finish a book and you'd be like, what? I I I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, I remember those days mostly because of that, but also because I could remember what I I read 30 days earlier. Mm. Now, if I read a book and then had to wait 30 days to to see the next installment, I'd be like, "Well, did I did I read the previous one?" And I got and I'd have to go back and reread it again. Yeah, I go through the same thing. Yeah, thank goodness. That's why, especially. And and Bob, imagine if you read ten different titles, twenty different titles. Yeah. Right. Oh my and gosh. Trying to yeah. juggle all those storylines and characters. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why I um, I kind of like save all my comics for like a, you know, a story arc, and then once the story arc is done, I'll mm-hmm. I'll sit and read six at a pop, ten at a pop, you know, whatever. Not at the same time, but you know that will be like my story that I'm reading. Right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So Bob, what'd you think? What'd you think of the story? It's a great, it's a great story, Ben. I love it. You know, um, as I've said this again and again and again, so I'm going to, but I'm going to say it yet again. Uh, you know, it, it hits differently. The more you read this, this arc, right? This, uh, there's some dialogue in this particular, this issue that I think is profoundly impactful at least for me um Mm -hmm. there was a there's a line that uh you know jet black says um at the very beginning what madness inspires a man to hold power and not use it yeah yeah i mean that i mean you could meditate on that one for an hour Mm -hmm. um because ultimately that is, you know, central to, to Steve Rogers' identity. He has and his power. character, yeah. yeah. And his character, right? But it's confusing to people. Uh, not only obviously to Jet Black and, and Zola, but uh, you know, we can we could we could lift that line out of the comics and apply it in real life as well. As 100%. a lens, you know. So I mean, just lots of great stuff in here. Well, let's get to that, Bob. You you yeah. go first this time. What is your favorite panel in today's issue? Well, I'm going to have to go with that stained glass window of, of Zola and the church oh, that, of Zola. that huge splash page. That's one, yeah. one big splash. I think it's really creative uh, use of space, um, mm-hmm. the level of detail, sort of a you know, a, a bastardization of, of what a church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, there's just so much going on there. Uh, and yet it's simple as well with just Zol- Jet, Jet, Jet Black kneeling, you know, up in front of this big image. So, I, I mean, I think it's a great, great uh, and creative use of space. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, because it's but like four stories tall. It is. It's ginormous. Yeah. 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 What about you, man? Uh, my favorite panel is going to be on page six. Um, so that is uh, panel four, where Ian says, my father raised me to live by simple truths as well. 
always protect the weak, always stand up, never give up hope, and never compromise the good inside you for anything. Mm. I love that. That is I a, love, you know, if, if, yeah. if, if my son says that about me, you know, at some point, uh, then, you know, I, I will feel like I've done something right. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, that, uh, that my son, you know, listened to me and, and, and watched me and took that all in. And then in the, in the face of adversity, um, you know, said, no. You know, this is what my father stands for. Uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I got a little of that today, Rick. Did you now? I did, actually. Let's hear yeah. it. I'm going to do a shout out to my to my son. So I got an email today. My wife had forwarded me this email. You know, she works down at City Hall. Mm -hmm. My son goes to the uh, city run park. And she got an email today from one of the summer camp people. Basically telling her that, you know. But whenever I get an email that says, you know, Bobby in the subject line, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> right. But this right. was like she was telling my wife about like what a great kid he was. And he's so compassionate and kind and helpful. And, you know, they, they took a bunch of smaller kids over to the pickleball court and like he helped out and gave encouragement and was giving tips to the, the little kids about how to play and, you know, tell them that they messed up, that no, it's not a big deal. You know, they're still learning and, and all these sorts of things, which is like completely alien of my experience of my son. <laughs> right. Right. Because that's not how I experience it, him. So, you know, he came in here right before I, I, I jumped on the podcast tonight and we were just talking. He was trying to convince me to convince you to let him be a guest. And we were just chatting. And, and just before he left, I said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I was really proud of you when I, I read that email because his mom told him about it on the way home. And he said, you know, I've got a good, good role model in you. No, I know. That's and awesome. He, and then he gave me like one of those looks like, you know, I'm playing you along. And then he left. But but, you know, <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. Oh, so, of course, man. Yeah, yeah. that's that that that, you know, that makes you feel so warm inside, you know. I mean, I, I don't want to. I've I've had, you know, my kids say similar things and it, it, it does. It, it just makes you just. Um, you know, I feel like you did you if you, you do anything in this world, you did something right. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like I said, I don't always see them that way. So no. when I hear other yeah. people, you know, other people see your kids differently. Um, yeah. And also they act differently too. Right. Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. you know, when you're around your, your, your loved ones, your close friends, your family, you know, you, you tend to take them for granted and you, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can let down your guard and, act a certain way but then you know when you're out there and, and with everybody else you tend to you try to do your best yeah right right and, yeah uh, so obviously yeah. you know you've done a good job no thank you you as well so back to the panel what uh what you're gonna what's gonna be on your t-shirt rick i'm gonna go with page five bob Ooh, um page five. The, the page earlier uh-huh and it is the one it's the the bottom half of the pitch oh rick uh i had to bob i had that's a to great one that's a great and, one and it, and i want i want that on a t-shirt and i want the 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 the, the lettering too uh -huh. and it's where cap is he's running 
forward. And I said before, his face, I've never seen his face like this before. It's red, it's angry, it's scarred, it's bloodied. His costume is, you know, he's still got the green goop on the shield after pulling it out of the guy's head. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he says, I'm coming for you, Arnhem, coming to pay, coming to put an end to you once and for all. I want all that on a T-shirt. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. How about you, I'm, Bob? What are you putting with, on a T-shirt? I'm going with the cover, Rick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think I've a, seen that on a cover, to be honest. That, I mean, I, on a T-shirt. Yeah, I think I might have. It seems to the ring a bell. I haven't seen it lately, but I think I, you know, might want to do with a few less raindrops, you know, to sort of clean it up a little bit. But uh, mm -hmm. I think that's a great, great, a really well rendered image of Cap, and with a lot of emotion and mm -hmm. uh, just the you could tell that the tenseness in his body that he's getting ready to strike. So yeah, I love that. You know, it's interesting. Both of our our caps are running forward, leaning forward, have the shield in the right hand, and has the left hand not clenched, but it looks like it's about to be. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, what is going in your time capsule, Bob? I got to tell you, Rick, this is a tough one. It was. Uh, yeah. Uh, and. Uh... I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. Rick. Um, I'm, I'm lost. I, I don't really have anything. I guess I could go with uh, Ian's uh, 3D glasses. Those remind me back in the days, you know, okay. when he's, he's sitting in those chairs, very much like um, Clockwork Orange, you know? Yes, totally. Staring at the, uh, the screen, being having mm -hmm. his mind, uh, you know, warped. Uh, so maybe I'll go with that. Maybe uh, just as a throwback, those glasses sort of remind me of of the, the 3D movie uh, craze that mm -hmm. went on like in the late 70s, 80s, I think. Mm -hmm. Did you ever go to any 3D movies? I did. Yeah. Back in no, the day? I never was a huge fan of it. Um, uh, you know, I know like like if you go see you know, Avatar, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. you, you probably want to wear the 3D glasses because the movie was filmed in 3d technology yeah but the movies that were not which is most of them and then they add the 3d 3d effect afterwards it just yeah you know it's not as good you know and i i i think i tried to see a couple of the mcu movies in the beginning mm -hmm. with with um in 3d and it was yeah. just like yeah it really wasn't worth the extra money or whatever you ever you ever do one of those like uh 40x movies have you done one of those no oh, man, they're terrible <laughs> yeah i took my when we first moved here there's a movie theater right down the street uh, mm -hmm. that's a regal theater and and they offer movies they have imax they have you know regular 2 2d they've got uh -huh. you know um they have a 40x which is uh the was that smell a vision it's yes <laughs> it is actually the seats <laughs> the seats move they rock uh -huh. they tilt they shake uh, -huh. uh and then it, it you know, you wear the 3D glasses, so you get to get that experience. Uh -huh. But there's also it like puffs things in your face. So like scent around and then like it, it'll spritz water, water in your it's like if you're like, like if you're going like down a river or something, uh -huh. you know, and there's splash, it will like split spritz water at you. It's, I mean, it's like a whole thing. Wow. And we hated every minute of it. I totally would not want to see a porno in that movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. well. All yeah. right. Um, for me, for time capsule, I'm going to go with the last page. I'm going to go with um, 
the the image of uh, Jack Monroe. Oh yeah, Jack okay. Monroe and Cap battling um, AIM or Hydra. It looks like looks Hydra. like some Hydra agents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't seen Jack Monroe in, in a long time, um, and he's deceased at this point because this is Volume Seven. He was killed early on yeah. in Volume Five. Um, this is probably the you know the next time we see him, and yeah. uh, so he's going in my time capsule. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Well, I thank you. Yeah. All right. So we huh. promised that we would uh, talk about our next episode, and it is a top 10, Bob. These tend to be very popular with our listeners. And uh, we, uh, let's see, when was the last time we did a top 10? We did top 10 love interests about 20 episodes ago. That was uh, obviously uh, right around Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to do. Top 10 one and done cap villains. Oh, yes. So these are these are villains that made an appearance in Captain America stories uh, that, you know, maybe it was just one issue. Maybe it was several issues, uh, but then they were done and never seen of again. Other than a flashback. Right. Right. Like if, if the character, you know, is is you know, they're referring to the character at some point later on. Um, but it's not like a, you know, a new, new story. Right. Um, then, then they qualify. And this was tough. This was tough. Yeah. It was uh, tougher than I expected. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we challenged the, the Facebook group and, uh, man, as always, they, they rose to the challenge. Yeah. There's, uh, there were quite a few, that were posed that uh, I was like, oh, I hadn't even considered that. Um, Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool, and uh, and I like that it uh, you know sort of forced us also to 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 dig in a little bit and and look for some other ones and uh, took a lot of research, um, but it was a lot of fun to do that because you know you're like, ah, oh, damn, that guy did show up in a second story. Or, yeah. Right. You know, or a different title or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there were a lot of lot of lot of them that popped up that were like only showed up maybe one story arc in a in a Captain America, but they might have popped up someplace else. Uh and and of course that didn't make the cut. So yeah, yeah. Th- that's the thing. I, I actually cheated. I used this uh database, um, which is called the complete Marvel reading order. And it's C M R O, complete Marvel Reading Order, C M R O dot uh travis starns.com i guess travis starns is the guy who who put this together uh thank you travis because i use this a lot um to to, to see when characters appeared and there's a list of major characters a list of minor characters and in our case uh a a list of what they call obscure characters and oh my god that is a huge list and it's all alphabetical um, so we, uh, we, that's how we kind of went in and, and proofed it, um, to see, you know, uh, and also, uh, you know, use some other websites too, as kind of like a backup just to double check. Um, but yeah, it was a little, little tough finding ones like, Oh, nope. They, appeared a disappointment. Else. yeah, yeah, I know yeah. you get committed to some of these, uh, guys and gals. Uh, well, Bob, I don't think you're doing it wrong. I, I, <laughs> I check first to make sure they've not been used on before uh, I start getting into uh, research. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, it's just so me. fun to go down the rabbit hole sometimes. So, 
It is totally. Yeah. And and we're going to do that next episode. We are totally going down the rabbit hole. I think uh, there's going to be some characters that you're going to be like, what? What? They, they <laughs> you know, I, I don't remember them. Yeah. Uh, and then there's going to be a couple of characters. You're like, no, they're really only, only one yeah. story. I, yeah. But they're, but wow. Uh, I think it's fun too to, uh, you know, I know we've tried to, you know, to spread the wealth, right? So we didn't just concentrate on, you know, volume one, right? We tried to, right, to, right. to you know, pull a little bit from all over the place just to mm-hmm. have a little fun with uh, with the whole mythos. So, yeah, that'll be fun. I can't wait yeah. to do that. That'll be yeah. really cool. All right. Well, Bob, as always, it's been fun wrapping cap with you. It sure has. I can't wait until our next meeting. Indeed. All right. Well, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book fans podcast. Mm-hmm.